Good morning. Welcome to 2023. Feels kind of good to say that. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Um, I've gotten to know your pastor, Jason, uh, over the past uh, couple years, and it's been a delight to get to hear about the church through him, and now to finally be able to visit the church too, and to meet so many of you. Um, I'm glad to be able to do this on New Year's Day. I'm just very thankful that your church isn't located in Times Square. <laughs> and I bring greetings also from Mana Christian Fellowship. This is a, a fellowship, a campus ministry at Princeton University where I have the privilege of being able to serve undergraduates there uh, who are an energetic and very enthusiastic bunch when it comes to the gospel and keeping me kind of young too. So it's wonderful to be with you uh, today. And let's now go to our great Lord in prayer. Gracious God, we've loved to sing your praises. We've loved to receive your words. We love to be able to gather together as your people together on this first day of a new year. And Father, I pray that now we need most of all for you to do a work in us, a work in us as individuals and a work in us as a congregation. And so we ask Holy Spirit to come word onto our hearts, that you would change us into the very likeness of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name and for his sake. Amen. Let's give our unbroken attention to the reading of God's word. This comes out of uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. This is God's word. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. I am really good at making New Year's resolutions. I am terrible at keeping my New Year's resolutions. It may be because of physical limitations, I can commit to making a fitness program, but then injuries that I've had for years kind of reveal themselves as I start out at my morning run after the third or fourth week. It might be because of stamina limitations. I'll commit myself to reading X number of books, and then after about the fourth week, my energy starts to flag a bit. Now, you know what this is like as well. We all make commitments. And then in our daily lives, though, we routinely break those commitments, don't we? We're routinely uh, faced with our own limitations, our own weaknesses, our own powerlessness. And it's not just the New Year's, it's not just the third or fourth week that we end up breaking a lot of those resolutions and commitments. This is an everyday reality for every single one of us. We are faced constantly with our own weakness, our own powerlessness. The problem is, is that so often we get these messages through every form of media, whether it's podcasts, social media, blogs, or just kind of neighborhood chit-chat, where we're told that we can overcome our weakness, that we really can, through kind of self-will or self-help, become more powerful, more influential, and stronger people. But the irony is, is that no matter how convincing some of those messages are, we're nevertheless weak, limited, lacking people. 
That's in fact what God's word has to say to us this morning. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, which really is no different from the church here at Central, or churches all throughout the world. A church that was successful in so many ways, a church of people of, of influence, as well as people who were just trying to make it in this world. These were people, though, that were constantly bombarded with the message that you can be stronger, that you can overcome your powerlessness and your weakness just by exerting more effort, by trying a little bit harder, by becoming super-Christians or super-humans. And so Paul writes to this church, and he's saying these words to us this morning, that actually the message that you need to hear is that we are weak and powerless. And Paul uses his own life as a story, as an illustration of powerlessness. Paul had every occasion when he was writing to the Corinthian church to boast about his power, his influence, his learnedness. But what does Paul do? Paul boasts in his weakness. Paul boasts in his suffering. Paul boasts in his inability to overcome on his own strength. Paul's message to the church in Corinth is the same message that we need to hear this morning, and that is that we are powerless in and of ourselves. And so contrary to the messages that we are bombarded with all the time, that we can overcome our lack on our own, Paul's message, God's message, is that we are in fact weak, But it doesn't end there. Our passage this morning is specifically about a different kind of power. This is the power of the word of the cross, which is another way of saying the gospel. This is a power that comes through the events that happened 2,000 years ago, namely Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus' death, where Jesus was put on a cross and crucified in humiliation, the ultimate sign of weakness and powerlessness and then was raised in resurrection life by the power of God. This is the word of the cross that Paul himself wants to remind the Corinthian church that they need to hear over and over again. Remember, folks, too, this church is a church that was suing one another. This is a church that was doing things that I can't really mention on a Sunday morning in church. This is a church that was falling over itself in terms of the various foibles and sins that it was committing. But rather than browbeat them, or rather than cajole cajole them into obedience, Paul turns their attention to the gospel. This word of the cross that's folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. He turns the weak and powerless and lacking church of Corinth, every member, whether they were the most powerful people in the church or whether they were the weakest members of the church, and he turns their attention to the power of the gospel because Paul knows that it's the gospel alone, this word of the cross, this word of a broken and bruised and dead Savior who was resurrected to new life, that's the only way that this church will actually become transformed and renewed in the likeness of Jesus. 
How do we reconcile this idea that we're at the same time weak and powerless, and yet at the very same time, we have access to the gospel itself, this proclamation, this announcement of what's happened 2,000 years ago? Well, let me just offer an illustration. When my firstborn was really, really little, uh, my wife and I had to care for every bit of his needs, Jonathan's needs. There wasn't a single thing that Jonathan could do on his own. He had to come to his mother and I for feeding. He had to come to his mother and I to be dressed. He had to come to his mother and I to be dressed and fed and for hygiene. In every respect, Jonathan lacked. And all he could do when he was one or so years old was just come to us. Open his mouth to have a spoon go into his mouth. To lay still, to be cleaned, and to be changed. To hold his arms out, to be clothed. In every respect, Jonathan was needy. And this is a picture of us. I know that's kind of hard to imagine. Most of you in this congregation are well above the age of one or two or three. But this is something that's true for every single one of us. Whether you're still in elementary school, whether you're in junior high, middle school, high school, college age, whether you've just now starting to grind in the working world, whether you've been at the grind for a number of years, whether you're in retirement years, whether you're near the end of uh, your time on this earth, we are nevertheless, all of us, just like my firstborn, needy in every respect. And so how do we receive this gospel power? Well, it's not through any merit, it's not through any doing of our own. It's received just as my son did those many years ago. And that was just being available. All Jonathan had to do was come to us in the morning and sit down for breakfast and open his mouth. All Jonathan had to do was lay down to be changed. All Jonathan had to do was put his arms out in order to be dressed. In the same way, we receive this gospel purely by faith, which is just a biblical way of saying we receive it purely by receiving it. There's no work that we can do in order to get this gospel. And the very mode that it comes to us is a mode of announcement, of proclamation. This is how good news comes, isn't it? We can all identify with good news. I know the last few years have been extraordinarily difficult, but if you think back to maybe this past year, what's some good news that you received? Maybe it was a birth? Maybe it was reconciliation with someone that you had a strained relationship with? Maybe it was receiving forgiveness for something you thought was unforgivable. In all of those good gifts, how do you receive them? But by faith. By simply taking it as it's yours, as a gift that's yours. And it's no different for us today. No matter if you're at the grind right now, or whether you're at the end of your grind, we all receive the gospel in the exact same way. And again, this is no different from the way that the church in Corinth, which is composed of people not unlike us in any respect, Paul's urging us, just as he was urging that church in Corinth, to receive this good news 
by faith. This is the power. This is the alt power that we need in our lives today. And so what do you to do with this message this morning? Well, embrace your weakness. I know that sounds like kind of a downer on the first day of the new year, but it's actually the best news possible. Actually, it's the second best news. I'll get to the best news in a moment. But this is really good news because the gospel of grace comes to weak people and it only comes to weak people. In fact, it only comes to people who acknowledge their weakness, their lack, their inability. Those are the people that the gospel of grace comes to and resurrects to new life every day. And so that's good news because, let's face it, every one of us in this room has that in common, that we all lack, that we're all weak, that we're all powerless. So that's the second best news. The best news is what we see in our passage this morning. And that is, for those who are being saved, that is, for those who are being rescued, for those who know Christ and his saving power, this same power breathes life into weak, powerless people. And so really reckon with your weakness, but at the same time, really reckon with the gospel. Really reckon with the fact that the gospel is for you. And this is something that you don't, have to, you don't have to overcome your own weakness and powerlessness on your own. You simply come, like my son, with an open hand and receive it entirely by faith. Now, we might not see transformation overnight. In fact, maybe you look back over this last year and you say to yourself, I don't know if I saw much change at all. Well, you can rest assured, though, that the gospel of grace is at work for all those who are joined to Jesus Christ in personal union by the Holy Spirit. And you can rest assured, whether you're really young or at the middle stage of your life, or whether you're toward the end of life, that this gospel power is at work in you. And so take great comfort in the fact that the gospel really does renew people. And it really does renew whole people together, congregations, workplaces, cities, nations. And so this is our great hope as we start 2023, is that we can embrace our powerlessness without hiding it, without guile. And in doing so, we can embrace the gospel, the gospel's power, which is the only power that is able to transform us, transform our families, transform our workplaces, transform this congregation, transform our loved ones who don't know the Lord, and transform this city. Let's pray to him now. Our gracious God, we thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for a new year, which is a reminder of our need for grace. And we thank you, Father, that we can be here and that we can start off this new year without having to pretend that we're anything other than what you describe of us in this passage. Or we don't have to pretend that we've got it all together. We don't have to pretend that 
we can kind of muster the strength and the resources in order to become better people. But Father, you provide all the resources that we need in the word of the cross, in the gospel. We're so thankful that we can rest in that power, that we have no righteousness or goodness or perfection in ourselves, that we can't even rely on our own performance because if we're honest with ourselves, it's shot full of imperfection and ultimately futility. But Father, we're ultimately so grateful for the promise that you've uh, made to us that we are being transformed day by day into the likeness of Christ. So Father, anchor us in this truth. And we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.